It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Brenna Thompson, a registered and licensed dietitian, and this show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company bringing you life-changing nutrition education and counseling. Joining me this morning is Leah Wetzel, licensed nutritionist. Good morning, Brenna. Good morning. Great to be here with you today. Yeah, we don't we, get to see each other very we often. We don't. We've been just kind of catching up this yeah. great morning. Well, today's show is fantastic. We have such an interesting topic and a complex topic today on the show about nutrition for thyroid. It is a complex topic, but we are going to do our best to make sure everyone understands it because this is actually the fourth or fifth show that we've yeah. done on the thyroid over the past couple years. That's right. And so many of our clients we see have hypothyroidism. And it's an important thing to understand what are the many causes of this condition. Yeah. And people may be wondering right off the bat, what is my thyroid? What a good question. So yes. the thyroid is a, is a small butterfly-shaped gland that sits in the middle of the neck right behind a person's Adam apple. And its main function is to control our metabolism, but not just as we think of metabolism, not just as a sense of weight gain or weight loss, um, which is common, but there's many other aspects of our metabolism. Yeah. And when we talk about metabolism, what we really mean is the energy in our cells. Mm -hmm. This includes the energy our skin cells receive, the energy our intestinal cells receive, the energy our brains receive, and even the energy our hair cells receive. Yes. So that's why when we look at symptoms around hypothyroidism, not only does that include weight gain, but also dry skin, constipation, depression, anxiety, or hair loss. Even people losing their hair of the outer portion of their eyebrow. And that's something that I think a lot of women notice kind of right off the bat. Yes. And that's the symptom that will bring them to their doctors. Is. That they've noticed that that change. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. And when the thyroid slows down, everything yes. slows down. So some people feel cold all the time and others begin to have trouble speaking. Yes. So it's no surprise that many of our clients that have hypothyroids, you know, since a majority of our clients are women, ultimately, mm -hmm. and approximately one out of eight women will experience the thyroid imbalance at some point in their life. That's really high. That's One out of huge. eight. That's huge. Mm -hmm. In the United States, the autoimmune form called Hashimoto's thyroiditis is the most common form of hypothyroidism compared to undeveloped countries where the most common issue is iodine deficiency. Yeah. And on past shows, we have discussed how mineral deficiencies such as iodine mm -hmm. or selenium yep. or zinc may lead to hypothyroidism. And we've also discussed um, how eating too many soy-based foods such as tofu, soy milk, or veggie burgers can block absorption of iodine to the thyroid. And we've also discussed how thyroid hormone receptors can become blocked by excess estrogen, mm -hmm. which may have occurred from taking birth control pills for a long time. Yes. 
or taking hormone replacement therapy while going through menopause, but also high estrogen can occur after pregnancy. That's right. That's right. But today we want to make another connection between diet and low thyroid function. Now, as we mentioned, the thyroid drives our metabolism and cellular energy, and it takes a lot of minerals and nutrients to keep the thyroid functioning well. Yes. When people do not consume enough minerals or enough foods that actually that that this actually causes the thyroid to slow down the production of T4 and T3 hormones. And those are just the hormones that the thyroid actually makes. Yes. And maybe you've heard that you have to eat enough to have a good metabolism. Well, it's Interesting. true. Interesting. Yes. And yeah. You know, a lot of people come in and they say, well, maybe I'm not eating enough. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's true. And it's really been shown in several studies that we do have to eat enough. We do. Yes. And one in particular, an 18-week study found that women placed on a very, very low calorie diet of only 400 calories a day decreased their T3 production by 66%. 400 calories a day is next to nothing. Yep. You figure most people need a good 1,800, 2,000 uh, yeah. calories, kind of rough estimate there, but 400, it's nothing. And when these women were allowed to eat 1,000 calories a day, so still not enough, their T3 production still remained 22% lower wow. than at the beginning of those 18 weeks. Yes. Even though this is not an extreme example, it's it's not uncommon for many women who have dieted frequently to track and restrict their calorie intake and, you know, maybe consume 1,200, 800, and even 500 calories per day. So very low numbers there. And it makes so much sense then why dieters feel tired, depressed, or I like to call it hangry. hangry. I love that. I, yes. I say that a lot with clients. They're so hangry when they diet and try to lose weight by restricting their food intake. They really are slowing their metabolism mm-hmm. as they slow their thyroid's ability to make its own hormones. Yes. And after being on a restrictive diet, most people regain the weight and, you know, maybe a lot plus more weight mm-hmm. afterwards. And now their metabolism is slower, even, you know, eating just a little bit more food than they did before while on the diet causes them to regain weight and very quickly, typically. Very quickly. So in another study, it was found that after just six months of calorie restriction, subjects' metabolism slowed down and they burned 100 to 150 calories less per day than before the study. Wow. 100 to 150 calories is really, that's not very much. No, it's not very much. So an example, you know, thinking about what equivalent would be, would be like a 100-calorie snack pack. Which are not very filling at all. No, they're not going to keep your blood sugar stable. No, No. and they're just processed carbs. Yes. (laughs) Or the low-fat yogurt Mm -hmm. or a small glass of juice. You know, after the study, all of these participants had... All they had to do to regain back their weight was to eat that 100 more calories compared to what they ate during their diet, and they would most likely regain all of that weight, unfortunately. Yeah, and this is a very vicious cycle and one that, as nutrition counselors, we see a lot of clients get into. Yes, yes. I mean, how many clients, women in particular, have you seen where they go on a diet, they lose 15, 20 pounds, and then what happens? 
they they get off the diet a lot of times it's not something that they can sustain no and they gain the weight and and ultimately you know gain more mm-hmm. in the long run so it's kind of what we classify as the yo-yo dieting on and off these calorie restrictions of years of doing that that really can affect mm-hmm. your metabolism and your thyroid function yeah and the good news is though that it is possible to not only heal your metabolism but to support and heal your thyroid at the same time. That's right, that's right. So, let's go to our first break. For okay. Today. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Now, we have some great classes coming up this week and, you know, some in particular that are really in line with with the topic today of low thyroid and metabolism. One in particular is the jumpstart your metabolism. And this class will be offered um, at a Fridley Community Center on March 3rd. That's Monday night. And that's from 7 to 9 p.m. with Anna. And we also have coming up Going Gluten-Free the Healthy Way. And this is in Stillwater, Thursday afternoon, 1230 to 2.30 with Kristen. That's March 6th. And the cooking class that we have coming up, which I've heard rave reviews about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's excellent. If you're looking for um, ways you know, to apply what you're learning from the radio show or in our classes, I think this is a great class to attend. And that's at Mississippi Market on March 6th, and that's from 530 to 730. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Cassie Wienis, a registered and licensed dietitian from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. You may know me from Dishing Up Nutrition, but today I want to talk to you as a mom of two kids with celiac disease, as well as additional food sensitivities, topics near and dear to my heart. Even with all my training as a dietitian, I was overwhelmed when my family had to go gluten-free. My boss, Dar, helped me learn the ins and outs of going gluten-free with real food, and that's when we realized other people need help and direction, too. So we created an online class called Going Gluten-Free the Healthy Way. You learn what gluten is, where it's found, and how to be gluten-free at home, at restaurants, and at social events. We teach you how to shop gluten-free and how to make healthy, delicious meals your whole family will enjoy. And it may surprise you that I don't buy many gluten-free products. If you take the class, I'll teach you how simple it is to go gluten-free eating real food. Learn more and register at weightandwellness.com. That's weightandwellness.com. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian, and I'm here with with Leah Wetzel, (laughs) licensed nutritionist. And I have to say good morning to Emily from the Beauty Lab over in Golden Valley. She did my makeup for the Care 11. Which looked fantastic. Yes, she made me look very pretty. So thank you, Emily. But as we were sitting there chit-chatting and she's putting lots of stuff on me that I normally don't wear and she asked you know what I was doing that day and I told her that I was doing a spot for care 11 and we were talking about protein and she found out that I worked for of course uh nutritional weight and wellness and she goes oh my gosh you're the people on the radio awesome yeah and so she has been a listener now for a couple months great we hope to see her in one of our classes excellent yeah at some point but now, Leah, when you're working with clients, yes. what is one of the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to trying to lose weight? I think that's an easy answer. Most people do not eat enough protein. And I'm talking about the animal protein that supports our metabolism. 
It's also, too, as, as our topic today of hypothyroidism, animal protein is high in the amino acid tyrosine, which is very important for the thyroid function and particularly in the conversion of T4, our inactive thyroid, to the active form of T3. Animal protein is also very high in minerals that are supportive of our thyroid, mm-hmm. like zinc, um, which is needed for it to work properly. We also recommend that most people eat generally looking at at least four ounces of cooked animal protein and cooked. So it's, cooked. A, it's amazing, you know, with some of our uh, classes, we ask people to actually cook it and weigh it out to get that visual. It's amazing after you cook the protein, you know, how much more you actually need to incorporate in to equal out that four ounces of protein. Exactly. Um, so cooked four ounces of, of protein with their meal. So, you know, looking at at least a minimum of 12 ounces of protein per day for metabolism and thyroid. Yeah. And that's for women because a lot of men need closer to about six ounces yes. of cooked protein at their meals. Yes. And, and it, yeah, it just definitely varies, you know, per size, you mm-hmm. know, a larger structure to support. You need more protein exactly. to support it. Yes. And if people have uh, questions today about their thyroid, their metabolism, protein, any yes. of that, please give us a call here in studio at 651-641-1071. That's right. And so we're talking about eating these proteins. Yes. And getting away from processed foods because we really do need to make sure that we're eating real proteins, real carbs. Yes real fats, all of our PFCs. Yep. And and as we talked about a little bit earlier, avoiding maybe some of the other types of, of vegetable proteins like soy proteins, which, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of women maybe resort to, men too, yeah. um, you know, if you're trying to cut out some of the animal proteins. And I see oftentimes um, people that have, have incorporated more of a vegetarian style diet um, having higher levels or more at risk for hypothyroidism. Well, and I know back when I was in my internship, it was definitely kind of pushed that at that point I thought, oh, animal protein, don't want to eat too much of it. Yeah. And I was notorious for making stir fries with tofu yep. or drinking a lot of soy milk. Yep. And oh my gosh, I don't know what else I would do. Oh, veggie burgers. Oh, nice. Yes, yes. those morning star farm burgers. But... Yes. Learning that all that soy was blocking absorption to my thyroid, I knew to stay away from that later on. That's great, yeah. And very and very estrogenic, too. Very estrogenic, yes. yeah. Well, we actually have a caller online. Great. And thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. Do you have a question today about good proteins? Yes, and I think you're kind of talking about it while I was oh. calling. Um, I'm a vegetarian, don't eat any, uh, any meat or yeah. seafood eggs, um, and I'm always looking for alternatives to the tofu, and the, the I love the Morningstar burgers also, <laughs> and just wondering if you have any other options for me. Did you say that you will or you will not eat eggs? I will not. You will not. Will you do any dairy? Yes. Okay, so yogurt, mm-hmm. uh, cheese would be mm-hmm. great options for you, kefir, as long as it's, you know, the plain Kefir, yes. the Which plain is hard, yogurt. It's harder to find. You want to make sure it's full fat, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more digging for the kefir, but I think that's a fantastic option. You could also, of course, incorporate some whey protein powder yes. would be yes. a good option. And just to kind of give a little variety in there, you might even consider doing some of like the pea protein powders just because you get a nice little mix, different flavors. Yeah, and with 
when you dig into the protein powders, um, it, just to be a little more particular about, and I think we're going to talk about a little bit later about like avoiding those artificial sweeteners um, because um, a lot of the standard brands, they, they use the sucralose or aspartame to sweeten the protein powders. And so um, you know, digging in and making sure, looking at the greens, making sure that it's avoiding that and maybe with a natural sweetener like stevia instead. Um, but I think for people that really do choose that um, to do no eggs and um, and then no fish for um, the vegetarian or vegan style diet, it really gets complicated in getting those complete proteins. So protein powder is probably a good mm-hmm. option for you. And I would also add that when you are having soy as a protein option in there, just make sure that it's the organic, yes, non-GMO soy, and you'll probably be better off. And fermented, I think, is best yes. um, if you're going to choose that. So. Yeah. Okay. Do you say no to any veggie burgers? I am not a fan of the veggie burgers because they're usually just, they're packed with a lot of other funky stuff, too. Um, back in the day, I used to make my own. So you you can kind of, if you can get a better quality tofu and use that to make some of your own homemade burgers, patties, then that would be a better choice. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks You're welcome. For the question. All right. Okay. Great question. Now we're back to keeping our thyroid functioning well, eating those real proteins, carbs, yes. fats. Yes. It's very, very, very important um, when we talk about the protein, carb, and fat. You know, what we're doing when we incorporate those foods is really help to balance our blood sugar, which is very supportive of, um, you know, thyroid function. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to make sure that when we look at those carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, so they're from real food and not the processed food. Yeah. Instead of non fat yogurt sweetened yeah. with Splenda. Yes. You want to eat plain, full-fat yogurt. Add your own fruit for a little natural sweetness. Yes. And when you talk about the plain, full-fat, even within um, the natural sweetened yogurts, the, mm-hmm. the flavored yogurts are actually really high in sugar. So as you made a good point, that making sure that it's plain, yes. full-fat. And then what you do is you add your own sweet to it. So you adding some fruit. berries or yeah. in the summer you can do peaches yes and for people making that transition even doing a little teaspoon of some honey or real maple syrup yes and just a teaspoon or two is enough to sweeten it up and help you make that transition yes and yeah and you're never going to add as much sugar or sweetener um <laughs> than what is in the flavored stuff that's so true yes because they add right. lots Yes, so we're going to take our next break. Okay. And so we have a caller online to make sure to hold. We'll we'll answer your question when we come back from break. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Have you ever wondered the difference between nutritionists and dietitians? We often get this question, don't we? We do get this question a lot. Yes, and I'm fortunate enough now to be on the board of nutrition dietetics for the state. So I have a strong respect for the lengthy process it takes for um, somebody in this state to become a licensed nutritionist or a registered dietitian. Now, I'll speak for the nutritionists in the, in the state. What you need in order to become a licensed nutritionist is you need to have a master's degree in nutrition and also 1,000 a a hours of clinical experience 
And then you pass a board-certified exam. Now, Brenna, what does it take for dietitians? Well, dietitians, on the other hand, complete an undergraduate program in nutrition and then must be accepted into an accredited internship, which typically lasts about 10 to 12 months. Pretty extensive. It is very extensive. And we then also must pass a board-certified exam. And many dietitians, myself included, also go on to earn a master's degree in nutrition or a related health field. Yes. So in the state of Minnesota, you know, if you're working with somebody that's a licensed nutritionist or Mm -hmm. a licensed and registered dietitian, you know that they they are accredited and they've done a lot of schooling. And so they have a a well-rounded knowledge base to help you. Exactly. It's not just the you know, two-week certificate or something. Exactly. It takes years. Yep, exactly, exactly. So if you have questions for us today, call us at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you have any of the following health problems, let me recommend our weekend weight and wellness series. If you are struggling with high blood pressure, insomnia, aches and pains, low energy, High blood sugar numbers. For memory, the Weekend Weight and Wellness Series will give you solutions. Starting March 28th, we are offering the weekend version of our six-week Weight and Wellness Series. The classes will be held in our North Oaks office. So to sign up today, just call 651-699-3438. That's great. I think like that listing that you gave, I mean, you're speaking to majority. So many people. Yes. Yes, that class is fantastic. You might not have all those symptoms, but you so, probably have at least yes. one. Or you have a loved one that has mm-hmm. that too. Yep. So we have callers on the line. Well, let's hear from them. Karen, thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. You have a question about magnesium? Hello? Karen? Karen? Thank you. Thank you for calling. Did you have a question for us today? Yes, I do. I was wondering about, I've heard you talk about magnesium and how it's good for the brain and helps prevent um, some memory issues and things like that. But when I've looked in the store, there's so many different magnesiums. Yeah. I'm just kind of overwhelmed what is. Oh, I think we lost her. Hello, Miss Karen. Well, we can definitely answer we can, your yeah, question we can. on the air. <clears throat> Thank you so much for your question today. I think it's a great question because there's a lot of different options in the store, and some are good and some are bad. And Yeah, so the ones, if you're in a store and you're looking at magnesium, the one you really want to stay away from is the magnesium oxide. Yes. Because it's just very poorly absorbed. Yes. And for a lot of people, that um, that's actually what they would give people to kind of stimulate um, some diarrhea. Yes. So you want to stay away from the magnesium oxide. And instead, we would just recommend, you know, don't don't go to the stores. Just get, hop online, weightandwellness.com, or come into one of our locations and pick up the magnesium glycinate. Yes. Because that is the highly absorbable form yes. of magnesium. So if you're going to take something, you actually want it to get absorbed. Exactly. And especially for the things that you used to, were looking for, uh, for mm-hmm. brain health, for, you know, basically... What magnesium does, it's a relaxation mineral, and so it helps with so many elements. Like chocolate cravings and insomnia. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, and then there are cases where, you know, if you are struggling, we talk, you know, it's involved in almost 300 different processes. So even things like constipation, if you are struggling with something like that, then uh, maybe looking at to get our mixed magnesium, which is a blend between glycinate, the most absorbable form, and citrate, which really helps to move stool through. Yes, and citrate just happens to be a little bit more 
gentle yes. than even something like the mag oxide. Yeah. 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 And so, that's why we use that combination. Which is really nice. Thank mm-hmm. you for your question. All right. So back to talking about some of the foods that really can inhibit our thyroid right. working properly. So Splenda. Splenda. Yes. And we would find that in so many foods. Yes, definitely. So Splenda, also known as sucralose, contains a molecule of chlorine, which blocks iodine absorption to the thyroid. Now, that's really interesting. Yes. If someone were on a traditional weight loss diet and chose to eat a lot of low-fat foods mm-hmm. containing Splenda... Yes, because they need to take away the fat, you need to sweeten it with something, and that is often what diet foods yes. resort to. You know, low-fat foods, they're either putting in a ton of sugar... Or then people got smart and they said, well, we don't want to have lots of sugar in there. Or calories. Or calories. Yeah. So we're going to start using Splenda. So yes. not only are these people eating low-fat diets, but they're eating these low-fat diets, low-calorie diets, containing tons of Splenda. Yes. So they are now slowing their body's production of thyroid hormones, but they're also blocking their thyroid's ability to absorb the nutrients that it needs to make those hormones. Interesting. So it's a yes. Double whammy. Yes, definitely. So we actually have a few more callers in the line. Maybe we take one more call. I would love to. Angela, thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. Do you have a thyroid comment? I do. Um, I know you guys are talking about food and how that relates to thyroid. Yeah. Um, one of the things, thyroid problems run in my family. So one of the things that I do is as simple as when you go to the dentist and you get um, x-rays done, they actually have what's called a thyroid guard. They don't typically put it on you, mm-hmm. but um, I always ask for that to be put on me and my children and my husband. Um, but it's just a simple strip that goes across your neck. And it protects your thyroid from the radiation from the x-rays. What an excellent suggestion. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because a lot, you know, a lot of people go into the dentist twice a year and that definitely can make a difference. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank Thank you you so much, Angela. Take one more call. Yeah. Great. Thanks for calling Dish and Nutrition, Tracy. You have a question for us today about thyroid? I do, um, and just to comment on that last caller, also um, women should ask for that when they get mammograms. Mm-hmm. Good. Yes. Great. Um, I have been taking kelp, okay. which is made from iodine. Yes, yes. Is there anything wrong with that? Not really. I don't, I think, like, are you actually eating the kelp or are you taking kelp capsules? Kelp supplements, the pills, because I have all the symptoms of a low thyroid, but my numbers always come back fine. Well, we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. I think doing eating kelp is is good. Um, The food source source of it. I think the supplement is probably not terrible either. Um, I usually would recommend if I don't know. what are your thoughts, Leah? I think that um, food for first to get that natural iodine from food, uh-huh. I think, is the best support. Um, and if you are iodine deficient, I think kelp can be helpful. Um, but there is kind of controversy of, of whether, you know, what is this, the right amount to be supplementing with. And some of the supplements on the line have, you know, high levels. And that might be, you know, a little bit too much of adjustment um, for your body. Um, so actually, it really depends on the person, whether it's appropriate or not. And I think it's hard for them in the supplement form to get a specific 
like dosage amount, like how much uh-huh. you're actually getting in. Um, it depends on whether it's a liquid or is it a liquid? No, it's a pale form. Pale form. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I always first and foremost suggest let's start with food. Um, and what I do, you use? I, uh, so if you're, if you're having symptoms of low thyroid, but your tests keep coming back positive, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I've done the basal body temperature thing mm-hmm. uh-huh. and it's low and it's low. So I would, you know, honestly, I would just recommend coming in, seeing a nutritionist and Great maybe suggestion and okay. just do it that way because maybe there's something else that you're eating. It's, it doesn't always come back to just iodine. Yes, that's right. That was, I was going to get to that. But mm-hmm. That's a fantastic point that there's, it's such a big, you know, big complex thing, you yeah. know, it's so small, but it affects so many so much. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. could be different variables of what's causing the hypothyroid um, but that's a clear, you know, that's oftentimes the low low temperature is is associated with low functioning thyroid. And your test can, in some cases, come back within normal range. And as we'll talk about later, still it, have hypothyroid. Yes. Symptoms. So, mm-hmm. yes. Great question. All right. Yeah. Okay. Back <laughs> I to think it. Back to it is right. Now, so we're going to stay away from the Splenda. Yes. But what other foods might we find Splenda in? Great question. So, you know, low fat foods oftentimes and with that Splenda, you know, to add to the flavor, you know, other ones would be like salad dressings, mm-hmm. crystal light, diet sodas, cereals, coffee mate. I would say throwing in protein powders. A lot of protein powders yes. for sure. And chewing gum. That's a good thing to bring up because a lot of people don't realize that you know if they have a habit of chewing gum that they're getting in the artificial sweeteners they sure are and eating enough carbohydrate is also important yes now while we do recommend a lower carbohydrate diet Mm -hmm. most wanting those carbs to come from vegetables and that's something that people have a hard time grasping yes and understanding that yeah broccoli and spinach and peppers those are carbohydrates we certainly do not recommend a no-carb diet. That's right. And Paul Yamane, um, an author of The Perfect Health Diet, has written extensively on how some people experience elevated cortisol levels when eating a very, very low-carbohydrate diet, also known as a ketogenic diet. Yeah. So isn't that interesting? It is. That there is a balance there. You want to make sure you have enough of the good, healthy carbohydrates, which we'll touch on. Yeah. But, and if you're not getting enough, that can affect your thyroid, too. It sure can. And cortisol is our body's stress hormone. Mm-hmm. And too much of it will actually block your thyroid hormone receptors throughout your entire body. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So you so, have those little receptor sites on all of your cells, and we want thyroid hormones, that T4, T3, to yeah. hook in there. But if we have too much cortisol... It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The cortisol will bind in there first. That's right. So starchy or concentrated carbohydrates, such as beans, when so, we're talking about black beans, white beans... Pinto beans. beans. Yes, that's Garbanzo right. beans. Um, not green beans, but the no. other type of beans... <laughs> Sweet potatoes, peas, winter squash, which I think those are all fantastic options for those concentrated carbohydrates, um, are what our body needs to help reduce those cortisol levels and open up the thyroid receptors. And many people just simply feel better when they eat between about 90 to 120 grams of carbohydrate a day. 
And just to give you an idea, the Food Guide Pyramid, or my plate, hmm. has people eating between 250 to over 300 grams of carbs wow. a day. And we're recommending 90 to about 120 yes. so for people. Pretty much a significant difference. It is a significant yeah. difference. And it's an easy... Easy to reach that amount, but not go overboard yep. when you just have half a cup of those concentrated carbs at your meals, along with lots of leafy green vegetables. Yeah, that's right. So that would be an example of maybe like two cups of kale and a half a cup of black beans. Exactly. With your dinner, which I find, you know, I need those concentrated carbohydrates, especially, you know, you know with my lunch and my dinner to mm-hmm. help stabilize my blood sugar. And it does tend to make people feel just a little bit more full yes. and satisfied. It gives them just the right amount of insulin release there yes, to make them feel satisfied. Like last night, we just had some chicken that we had roasted and some butternut squash Great. cooked in coconut oil, which is delicious. Awesome. We had kale chips, which Ooh. were really good this time around. Yummy. And then I did a baked sweet potato. Okay. Which were fantastic yummy with butter i did coconut oil Mm. i'm kind of on the coconut oil coconut kick kick. (laughs) yeah yes all right well you know it's time for our last break okay all right it is officially march yay Yay! (laughs) we're ready for spring so anytime now we can have that come in yeah (laughs) and we know what that means what does that mean brenna oh that means shamrock shake that's right one of my old favorites but those which i know now Mm -hmm. those minty shakes Used to lead to many asthma attacks. So even the 12-ounce shake, that's not very much. It's not. No, that in itself turns into 21 and a half teaspoons of sugar in my body. And that's 21 and a half teaspoons of asthma-inducing issues, of inflammation. So if these are one of your old favorites, too, this week, mm-hmm. please uh, tune in to either or log in to either our weight and wellness Facebook page um, or I don't I think it's just going to just go to the Facebook page just the Facebook page so friend us on Facebook and we are going to have a delicious balanced and real food minty protein smoothie it is delicious and And it's green great questions (laughs) give us a call today at 651-641-1071 A wise doctor once said, today you are you. That's truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. The doctor in question was Dr. Seuss, and I bet he would like the attitude and approach they use at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. For more than 25 years, the licensed nutritionists, registered dietitians, and nutrition educators have worked one-on-one with clients. Because they know no one is youer than you, they will come up with an individualized eating plan that addresses your needs, your body, your health concerns. Because they use research-based knowledge and because they care, they can guide you to be the best, healthiest, most energetic you you can be. Come into one of their Twin Cities-based office locations for a consultation or schedule a counseling session over the phone. Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Call them at 651-699-3438. That's 651-699-3438. Or go to weightandwellness.com. They will get results for you. It's true. Nutritional Weight and Wellness has offices in St. Paul, Wayzata, North Oaks, Lakeville, and Maple Grove. Call them today at 651-699-3438 or go to weightandwellness.com. We hope you have enjoyed today's show on how nutrition can be used to support your thyroid. You really do need to eat enough to keep it working right. We recently published the brand new Nutritional Weight and Wellness Cookbook. Which I love. Oh, isn't it fantastic? And it's got over 100 thyroid-supporting recipes. 
They are simple, delicious, and even if you have picky eaters, you'll find new family favorites in it, such as the zucchini pancakes, Yum. the Sonoma chicken salad, oh. and even sloppy joes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's great. It also has tips on stocking your fridge and pantry. And you can pick up your copy at any of our Twin Cities locations or order online at weightandwellness.com. You know, I have the new cookbook and mm-hmm. I use it every week. I love it. There's What's so your many... favorite recipe? Well, I still, you know, I still really like that chili recipe. I make it every week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's fantastic. And outside of that, I often make the chicken wild rice soup. Mm-hmm. But I want to check out, I haven't made yet the zucchini pancakes. They are super tasty. What? Which is kind of different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, you know, shredded zucchini and some eggs in there. And yeah, they're Are they good. pretty easy to put together? They're super easy to put together. Oh, I, I'm going to do that. You should. That's awesome. I like the, one of my favorites was the chicken thighs with the Brussels sprouts. Oh, yeah. And I think the sun-dried tomatoes. Yes. So easy. Yeah. And good. Yeah. But now, so we were talking about <laughs> getting enough of that carbohydrate, that concentrated carbs. Yes. And why do we need to do this? So that's a good question. So this amount of carbohydrate helps support our liver's ability to convert the inactive T4 thyroid hormone into the active T3 hormone. Yeah. And that typically happens in the liver. Yes. Is a big place for that majority, to hap- majority of, of it. But it also happens in our heart and in your brain. In your gut. And in your gut yep. and in your other muscles. So it's like Goldilocks, you know, not too much carbohydrate but also not too little. I love that. That's great. So Brenna, I understand that as you're, you know, wrapping up your master's program, which is congratulations. Thank That's a you. Big and milestone. Yay. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding, right? No kidding. That's a lot to tackle. It is. Um, you on your thesis, you wrote it on thyroid function. And so what was the most interesting part of that that you learned? Well, what I found most interesting while writing my lovely thesis was that in a truly healthy population, so these would be people with absolutely no disease. Okay. Not something we see very often yeah. these days. But someone with absolutely no disease, their TSH numbers, the measure of how well their thyroid is functioning, yes. will always be between 0.3 and 1.5. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. Now, when people have a TSH over 3, research indicates that they have they may have an iodine deficiency. And are at risk for developing hypothyroidism. But definitely somebody with a TSH over 5, that is a very strong indicator of hypothyroidism. However, many labs and doctors consider a TSH of even 5 to 8 as normal. Yes. 8, wow. Yeah. Even up to 8. And wow. I've seen some that they'll even take up to 10. Wow. That's but amazing. this kind of goes back to what our caller was asking about. Yes. Saying her numbers are normal. Yes. Depending upon which lab. Exactly. But she feels that she still has symptoms. Yes, Mm -hmm. definitely, definitely. And also just kind of touch a little bit more on that, too, is that sometimes looking beyond that TSH... Um, which which is something that is, is coming from somewhere else, our pituitary gland, um, it, it is good to go in a little bit more depth and get a full panel mm-hmm. run if you're having those hypothyroid symptoms because it, you might have normal TSH, but it might be an issue with the your, conversion. Yes. So maybe your t- your thyroid is making enough T4, but it's not being converted properly. T3, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
So doing sometimes what they call the the full po- the full panel thyroid yes. testing, I think, can be is really okay. important. Yes, yes. Yeah. But wow, I can't believe five to eight as normal. That's yeah. that's amazing. And this may explain to why people exhibiting like the symptoms of low functioning thyroid, but their doctor continues to tell them that their thyroid is normal. Yeah, and they're trying to kind of get this changed and have more standard lab values, yes. but it just takes a while. Yes. And I see we have a caller. We do. We do. Let's take a caller. Mary, thanks for calling Dishing Up Nutrition. you have a question about medications? I do. I have been on Synthroid for, gosh, over 20 years. Yes. Mm-hmm. And a, maybe three or four years ago, I went to a different um, endocrinologist and... He did a whole panel and said, hey, I think your thyroid is functioning like over 60%. You can go off your medication. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking after 17 years, hmm. And so I did. I graduated off, and then I was off for a couple of years, and then they keep testing me for other autoimmune diseases, and they don't find anything. I've got rosacea, Raynaud's, and um, thyroid disease. Mm. But... So do you have Hashimoto's? Did you have high antibodies? Is that um, you know? I'm he did the whole. They did the whole panel. Okay. And I'm not sure all the levels because they test me for lots of things. Sure. Um, thyroid antibody was. So what's the question? Uh, the question is, um, I went to another endocrinologist and he put me back on it, mm. and he put me back on like 75 micrograms. And before, I was only taking 25 micrograms. So I guess my question is, I'm on your program completely 150%. Okay. This is week six. And I'm just wondering, would you recommend, because I know doctors like to put you on medication, and I don't like to be on medication, would you recommend having another panel done and, if possible, go off of the medication if the levels are all okay? I can't. I, I would definitely recommend you need to continue getting your thyroid panel checked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right. just keep doing that over time. But it's probably going to take more than six weeks of eating gluten-free, yes. dairy-free. People with a lot of autoimmune diseases sometimes need to cut out other foods as well. I think you would be a great candidate to come in for a nutrition consult. Yeah. I've oh, already been there twice. Okay, oh, great, great. And yeah, I'm, I'm gluten-free, soy-free, uh, dairy-free. I've myself gone off grains and nuts Good. because of the um, inflammatory foods. I just kind of want to do everything I can. Yeah, but you definitely need to be talking with your doctor about changing Yeah, working medications. with your physician who prescribed the medication to you. And two, making sure, as we talk about those, getting rid of those hypothyroid symptoms, if you're still having <laughs> symptoms, um, you know, like what you're exploring, the diet connection, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. um, can definitely make a difference. But like as Brenna said, it does take some time of healing. And you, you know, it's been a long history with you having low thyroid function. So um, you definitely can do some nat- healing naturally. Um, but working with your physician to see what is, makes the best sense as far as for the medication, I think is the best. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Well, okay, so people and their thyroid lab values. Yes. And um, where are we here? So maybe something that we've looked at in the past is that not only does 
thyroid affect our metabolism, but also affects people's moods. Oh, exactly, exactly. You know, and I, you know, observe this a lot of times working with clients that um, hypothyroid is actually associated with depression. But, you know, seeing it with with several clients with apathy, just feeling blah, and also can lead to things like anxiety and panic attacks. And I've seen this in a lot of clients as well. But I hope everybody's enjoyed our show today on hypothyroidism. If you've got more questions about this, give our offices a call or make an appointment to come in and see one of us. There's so much you can do. That. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.